Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail, and today I'm joined with... Brendan Norrison, and after getting to discuss some more uh, historic racers in our last episode, we're right back to some modern racing games, and the, the focus of today's episode is the, well, for us anyway, highly anticipated Project Cars 3. I don't know about you, Adam, but it still feels kind of weird that Project Cars 3 is actually out in the wild now, given we just found out about it in terms of it being revealed not that long ago at all. It was a very quick road from announcement to release, and uh, of course we have, uh, you know, Fernando Moutinho, a friend of the show, who is now, you know, the Slightly Mad Studios uh, social media guy. Um keeping us up to date on everything that was happening with that game so it it was cool to see kind of what one of time extends own you know <laughs> be a part of that journey and stuff uh and you know we're all playing the game and uh g generally i think we're all positive on it I, you know there's some thoughts i'm sure we'll get into but honestly it's just great to have a racing game like this out this year because you know outside of project cars um we got dirt five they're they're are you know your yearly releases your f1s and your wrcs but we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer until we get something along the lines of a project cars in terms of scope like a, a gt7 or a forza forza 8 so it, it was i think definitely you know striking at the right time yeah for sure and trying to go for that audience as well i think it's well documented at this point how um certain sectors of the the racing game fan base weren't too happy about that decision um, but let's be honest on paper trying to tap into that audience on a, a cross-platform level is no bad thing and I think as well I mean we both play a lot of games on PC Adam I, I don't think a, a properly good Gran Turismo slash Forza like on PC would be a bad thing so for me um, I was really looking forward to playing Project Cars 3 on my PC which is the platform I ended up going for yeah, no, absolutely not. It's not a bad thing. Um, you know, we'll get Forza 8 on PC because that's what Microsoft does now. But uh, outside of that report that Sony might put more of their first-party exclusives on, on PC, I, I don't think GT7 would be one of them. But outside of that miracle, you know, uh, the PC doesn't usually get experiences like this. And, and Project Cars 1 and 2, obviously, uh, very simulation-focused, very focused on actual motorsport, and Project Cars 3 is this interesting mix of kind of car PG along the lines of the titles that we just mentioned and a lot of kind of asynchronous based rivals and objective play like Drive Club, uh, given that the game was uh, one of the, the lead developers on it was, of course, Paul Ryszczynski, who, who has been on the show before. Um, and, and who we talked about, and at the time he couldn't tell us he was working on Project Cars 3. So, <laughs> yeah. so kind of thinking back to that show and the uh, noises Paul Paul was making is, uh, is pretty interesting in retrospect. But yeah, I, I'm sure we will dive into a little bit of, of the context of what this game was pitched as versus what it is. I don't know if we need to kind of beat that dead horse down even further. Uh, what what I can say is that, you know, if you're talking about a game that sort of um, softens some of the the simulation edges of Project Cars and as much as, you know, focusing more on the gameplay, focusing more on the single player experience, uh, while also integrating a lot of those elements that made Drive Club a game that we both really love, 
I, I think it's kind of perfect for us in a way. You know, obviously it, it would disappoint you if you were the type of person who really enjoyed the first two games or, or really wanted to see Slightly Mad continue down that road. Uh, and, and there's nothing to suggest they might not go back there in the future. But for me anyway, in terms of, without, without delving into what the game does right and wrong, in terms of pitch, in terms of scope, this was kind of what I hoped for and, and wanted. And so getting that, uh, the, the second I booted the game up for the first time, and seeing that that was the kind of uh, experience that they decided to craft here was was very motivating for me. Yeah, for sure. I think um, th there were murmurs in the right places if you had heard them from Ian Bell at Slate the Mad Studios about this being a, a Need for Speed Shift successor in some regards. Um, there were code names for the game in development, which implied it wouldn't be a direct translation of the, the simulation way they'd went before. But even still, actually seeing it for the first time and experiencing that change in focus, it, it leaves an impact. And for people like us who always harp on about the importance of good game design in a racing title, this initially seems like a fantastic idea. And to be honest, all power to Slightly Mad Studios for going down this route because they, they would have known that the difficulties faced in trying to do this not even just from a an outside fan perspective, but also internally. You're, you're trying to recapture a game style that perhaps you, you haven't looked at for a long time. And even when you looked at it back then, it was under the Need for Speed branding, so you had that kind of um, failsafe of people still wanting to play the game regardless of how it turned out. Project Cars 3 is trying to not only take the Project Cars branding and, a, and bring a new experience to that, but also tap into a type of game that Perhaps we don't realise how difficult it is to make a compelling uh, racing career in, in an arcade game now, because they seem so few and far between. So once you, you kind of turn on Project Cars 3, um, and you, you just experience that difference in vibe, especially from 2, which I had been playing quite a lot prior to release, um, it, it's definitely a shock to the system, but one that for me, initially, was very, very positive. And I think that's one of the things that I really wanted to say before we get into the kind of meat and bones of our discussion. Any of the comments that I'm making in regards to, to elements that might have maybe slightly disappointed me or didn't quite meet the mark, this isn't a justification for the way that some corners of the internet have been acting about this game shift in focus. I think that's perfectly fine. I feel as if um, there are plenty of simulations out there and simulator titles, including Project Cars 2, that are still available. And if you're getting hung up on the fact that Project Cars 3 has changed direction and that is your main guidance for not liking this title or not giving it a shot, then that's not something I can empathise with because personally speaking, um, and I think you're the same Adam, very happy with the fact that they tried something different here because we've talked at length about how things are starting to get very samey in the industry so I guess first, po first point off the bat for myself is kudos to Slightly Mad for getting the right guys on involved like Paul and actually trying to make something a bit different than what's already out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to echo that and make it clear that, you know, whatever problems that we or, you know, speaking for myself that I have with this game have nothing to do with uh, Slightly Mad's decision and Codemaster's decision to kind of take this uh, different approach and this different scope with this game. I think it's always good to have new and different ideas in this genre. 
I don't think everything that was a certain way before was a simulation before necessarily needs to be forever. The studio has proven that it could make kind of, uh, you know, racing games that had a motorsports focus, but were a little bit more forgiving like the old shift games and proven that, you know, regardless of, of the misgivings that, you know, that game might have had and ways that it rubbed us, you know, they were very polished, very successful games that a lot of people enjoyed. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And yeah, I just, I, I have to say, I absolutely cannot stand and have no empathy and and actively um, really, really hate uh, all the people who have, you know, just abused slightly mad Codemasters, people at these studios, like actual people who work on these games because, you know, they didn't make the exact thing you wanted them to make. Uh, I, I have absolutely zero tolerance for that. I know that this isn't about me and I don't need to say that, but it's just like, you know, it's one of those things I've just been watching from the sidelines as, as people act this way. And like, you, you don't have to like the game. You could have seen that like, hey, it's, it's you know, not quite what I'm in for. I'm going to pass on this one. That's totally up to you. That's totally your call. You can even play the game and say that you think it sucks. But yeah. to, to abuse people the way that, uh, you know, some of the... Uh, really hardcore rabid uh, sim community sim racing community has over this game is just totally unwarranted and undignified and awful so so right off the bat like yeah fuck that <laughs> yeah exactly mate and that, that's one of the reasons why i feel as if we have to preface our conversation with that because i don't want any of those type of people feeling justified in their current stance based on what we're going to say um, I, I mean, I've, I've been pretty vocal about it on Twitter because I do like spewing a load of shit on there a lot of the time um, about the positives I've had with this game and maybe the bits that have kind of surprised me in a positive way just because I might now say some things that the game didn't meet my mark that isn't me admitting that they are right or admitting that people were right to slander this game from the start and most importantly go after the people and the, the content creators who've been covering the game um, that type of thing, the nonsense just has to stop at the door. So, yeah, I think it was just important to get that out there. Right. Yeah. So, so having said that, um, you said that you know when you first started playing the game, there was something that was very attractive to you about it uh, that that really struck you positively. And and I have I have a feeling that we're going to answer this question similarly. <laughs> but like, what what was it? You know, was it was it the physics? Was it the game design? Was it just the, the nature that, you know, this game just looked and felt and, and didn't feel, uh, you know, exactly like Project Cars 2 that was a new thing? Like, what intrigued you about it? So, I mean, when you first turn the game on, like, right away, and you get thrown into that, like, tutorial race, um, I, I'm immediately I was like, this is, this is the litmus test literally five minutes into turning on the game. Like, I've been thrown into the game. Um, I, I've made the purposeful decision to to put the wheel to a side. I didn't use my, my wheel for any of this playtime we're talking about. Got my controller in my hand and I'm about to play a Project Cars game. Now, <laughs> that, that usually goes in the, the direction of being a pretty bad experience. Especially for more powerful cars. And we're in the new Corvette as well, this first starter race. And then, immediately, as soon as you try and go for that first corner, Everything just feels fantastic, like the, 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 the pad handling in this game was utterly phenomenal from the first time 
that I started playing. And that's really the moment for me where I went, oh, we could be onto something here because the last game I played that handled this well on pad was Drive Club. And I kind of described Project Cars 3, even from that very initial point, as Drive Club with a bit more bite to it. So like, whereas in Drive Club, like, you feel the weight of the cars pretty nicely and you can get a good bit of um, kind of smoothness going in your driving, Project Cars 3 definitely feels more in line with Drive Club than Project Cars 2 in terms of handling physics. But when you try and like push it to its very edges, that's when the, the kind of the characteristics of the car become apparent and you start to feel that kick out. And that whole first race was just such a great time. And that's what intrigued me from that point on. Just the fact that, that the pad handling was that good. It made me genuinely think like Slightly Mad Studios had finally found a bit of an identity for this series. Yeah, yeah, and I totally have to agree. I mean, Slightly Mad had said before with you know the run-up to Project Cars 2 release that they had concentrated on trying to make the pad handling better. Uh, you know, having played that game a little bit and you having played it extensively, they they didn't do that. You know, what whether there was an honest attempt or not, uh, it just didn't really handle any better on pad. And, and those were two games that you needed to have a wheel to actually enjoy, especially if you were driving a road car. And I think what what got me the most with Project Cars 3, it, it is as you say, you know, that first race where you're in the C8R and the game is very approachable and a lot of fun. But even more than that, it was like, you know, the second or third race I did in the game where I had the Lance Revolution uh, 6 as my starter car. Yeah. And I'm, I'm driving a road car in the, in the Project Cars game. Normally, this is not fun. This is, you know, w with a pad, this is the worst experience that you could possibly <laughs> ask for. Yeah, I, I just remember like some of those events in Project Cars 1 where you're driving, you know, a, a Lotus Exige or something like that on the Azure Coast and it's just off. Like you have no front end grip. The car doesn't bite. It just doesn't want to do anything. It's just underseer, underseer, underseer forever and ever and ever. And it's not fun. And it just, I remember thinking like, why did you bother putting these cars in the game if they're so awful and dismal and depressing to drive? And like, wouldn't you know that like in Project Cars 3, like the road cars are, are a blast. They're so much fun. Um, all the cars are a lot of fun. There are some cars obviously handle better than others, but that's normal. Um, and just like the, the element of weight transfer and uh, kind of what happens after you break the limit of grip. I think this game, I, I, you know, I think the tire model, I think when it comes to um, sort of that, that, that spectrum of grip, like it is more forgiving. Uh, definitely more forgiving than pre previous Project Cars games and yeah. more forgiving than your quote unquote sim. Uh, but it's still very tactile and you still kind of have to fight the car a little bit and you can definitely still lose control if you if you take too much curb if you um, you know if, if you drive in a way that's very careless you know there's definitely a fast way to drive in this game and a slow way and in spite of the fact that um, you, you have kind of more leeway to perform well with the pad much more so than before there's still a challenge here and if I think of games uh, that, that kind of cast a similar uh, scope uh, in terms of driving feel and realism, and I'm thinking chiefly about Drive Club and the new grid here, I would say that Project Cars 3, without question, handles better than both of those games. Um, I like Drive Club, but it's a little 
the, the physics aren't perfect to me. They're kind of a little bit sort of, uh, they don't really engage you that yeah. as much as yeah. they could. Um, whereas to me, Grid is like not engaging at all and, and the worst <laughs> handling of those games. Uh, but Project Cars 3 is, it's just, it's perfect. And, and uh, you know, it's perfect with the pad and it's perfect really no matter what car you drive. Uh, so, so that is definitely what stood out to me. And I think what kind of initially was so surprising and enjoyable to me uh, that it took a while before I continued to play the game and started to see some of, some of the warts come through a little bit before I was ready to recognize those uh, because the initial experience of just being on track was just so much fun. Yeah, I'm, I can only echo that. I was absolutely blown away by how tactile it felt, especially knowing right away that it doesn't have that same value that the series had prided itself on before. Um, like the, the comparison to Grid 2019 is very interesting because Grid as a whole package, we, we talked about it before, we did a review cast on that, is very disappointing in many ways. But when, you, when I think back on that, a lot of that is because you can't really go back to the crux of the driving being fantastic. This is the difference between Project Cars 3 and most of these games we're talking about. The on-track driving experience is utterly brilliant. I, I was, um, when the Friday the game came out, I had the pleasure of racing in a full online lobby with some of the Slightly Mad Studios guys, um, some other people we had, like a 32 player lobby. And for those like two or three hours or so, just the, the, the sheer breakneck three lap races with that amount of cars on the track with pretty impeccable netcode as well, it, it was absolutely brilliant. This, the, the handling felt phenomenal. And whenever I'm on the track on this game, I feel like it is a, a genuine step forward for what I would like to see arcade racers try and replicate because we've talked before about where missteps in the genre are Maybe they're kind of maybe placing too much emphasis on the past and nostalgia. Maybe they don't want to fully commit to an in-depth handling model. Project Cars 3 finds that middle ground fantastically. And when you think about how many cars are in this game as well, that you could potentially drive, it's a fantastic package in that regard. Um, the comparison to Drive Club you were saying as well, I think that's spot on. I always feel as if, for as much as I like Drive Club, the cars are very kind of stiff feeling, you know that way, like they feel as if they're on a pointer sometimes, you, you kind of guide yeah. them roughly where you want them to go, they go there. Project Cars 3, I can't even, like, they, they handle light cars, as silly as that sounds, they they have that right amount of squirreliness and even the road cars, like you're saying, the differences between what you drive at the start of the game and what you can drive in the later stages is so pronounced that you, it wouldn't be remiss for thinking well, for knowing, in fact, that at the core of this game was a, a very intricate sim, and Slightly Mad Studios have maybe streamlined it quite a bit, um, and made those crucial changes to the pad controls, and when you play it, right away, in those initial few hours, it is one of these times where, and I haven't had many of these recently, where I was beginning to ask myself, is this going to be the next big great arcade racing game? Because it makes such a strong initial impression, and you can only... You can only commend Slightly Mad Studios for nailing it so much because given how uh, their sim titles were so varied in quality when it came to driving, it is a very rare thing, and almost I would have never guessed it, that they've managed to translate that physics engine to arcade racing so well because it, it is a fantastic drive. 
Yeah, and on top of that, when when I was playing this game uh, for the first time, I was curious as to like, okay, the the car I'm driving right now, like let's say the Lancer, like this handles very well, but you know, where am I going to expose the flaw in this in this handling model? What what car is going to reveal a really ugly and not fun experience? And the more I played the game. The more I went from discipline to discipline to discipline, I, I went to, um, you know, kind of the uh, the late 80s, early 90s touring cars. I went to those crazy, like, Can-Am cars from the 70s. I went to, like, the 90s, like, Hypercar, Le Mans, GT1 cars. Everything was fun. Like, th that's, I think, the most surprising thing to me is that, like, it's just such a consistently uh, fun game across the board. Uh, you know, there there are some cars that, you know, aren't as engaging as others, but nothing on the level of just like, this game is unplayable with this car. You know, I, I was even driving, I, I had such such great battles with my one friend with that uh, old Alpine uh, prototype yeah, from the yeah. 70s, the A4B or 13 or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, that car at Watkins Glen was an absolute blast. So I think off the back of the... the the driving feel and the handling feel, this is unquestionably my favorite of Slightly Mad's games uh, thus far. Um, you know, we, we, we've we talked about how Project Cars 1 and 2 really, really weren't playable unless you were the wheel. We've talked in the past on previous shows about how Shift uh, just, just didn't really quite feel confident enough, felt a little bit too squirrely, felt kind of like it didn't give you enough feedback as you wanted. And uh, Project Cars 3, I think, uh, re really strikes the right balance, as you say, um, between being engaging, but also also not too challenging and not too hard to keep on the track, which is what you want from a game that isn't quite, you know, full-blown full blown simulation, but has more going on, going on under the hood than, say, just like an arcade game. So, yeah, all of that is is excellent. Uh, and, and even the, the career mode, when you start to play the game kind of sets itself up for a good impression right because yeah. it's broken up in the categories it it uh is based around the whole drive club sort of uh, organization structure of every event whether it's a championship or a hot lap or an average lap battle or something like that is based around these sort of uh, uh three objectives and if you fulfill all three objectives that's like your stars uh for the for basically the uh, the group of events you're doing that unlocks further events, so you can definitely see uh, Rushy's influence coming through uh, brilliantly there, uh, as it does in the rivals mode, and and those are those are all great. But uh, the more that you play the game, the more you you kind of reveal that while some of these things were well thought out, um, and I think a step forward for slightly mad in a lot of ways, uh, they're 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 kind of some rough aspects around the edges there are a lot of good ideas here um one of them actually su surprisingly i didn't like it at first but i eventually kind of came around uh the tying credits uh payouts to xp yeah does not seem like it would be a good idea and it, i'm not sure if you it sounds like you might not agree <laughs> but i actually i actually think it's pretty great um now that i've now that i've done it uh you know i've been playing the game for a while I think it's great because uh, it means that no matter what you do in the game, 
your earning experience. So there doesn't have to be a dollar value tied to everything. Um, basically, any way that you contribute to playing Project Cars, whether it's a, a you know a private multiplayer game against a friend, or you know a career mode race, uh, raises your XP, and the things you do in the race raise your XP, and that uh, kind of is tied to these sort of like stair step. Uh, sort of uh, elements within each driver level and every time you kind of clear a notch you get some credits and uh i i think that the pacing i think the payouts can be a little bit too low sometimes but now i'm at a point in the game we're halfway through where like i feel like i'm getting i'm getting paid fairly um it's a bit jarring but i'm actually okay with it but there there are some other things related to sort of the difficulty uh scaling and and kind of how the game doesn't, I feel like, move you through the classes as quickly as it probably should, where things kind of start to feel a little bit monotonous and dry after a while. Yeah, so, I mean, firstly on the, the, the cash being attributed to XP side of things, I don't necessarily not like that system. I think it's it works pretty well given that, like you're saying, because of all the racing you're doing, you earn a lot of XP anyway, so you eventually get to a point where the, the economy matures and it isn't an issue anymore. I just feel like, in terms of the career itself, even just uh, having the usual kind of cash payouts alongside the XP system, I don't think that would have been too bad or broke the economy too much, because for a lot of the career... It will ask you to purchase certain cars and that type of thing. And until you get to that point where the economy matures, it can feel as if you're really kind of working off of pennies. But at the same time, it's a little bit hypocritical of me to, to complain about that purely because we've been talking a lot about wanting a return to that every purchase feels worthwhile side of things. So I think the, the economy works well but there are times where it feels as if it's maybe just a little bit too light, so maybe some form of cash boost would do well. I mean, the thing is, the game makes up for it by giving you an XP boost depending on where you finish anyway, so I suppose it is doing that in theory. But I think even just for, for completeness sake, I don't think it would have been too outlandish to have a, a cash reward alongside the, the XP cash that you earn as well. Yeah. Yeah, when when you start the game, the the payouts do feel kind of a little draconian because like they're really not giving you much to work with. And unfortunately, this this plays into another aspect of the game, which is that the the difficulty is kind of all over the place. Uh, and you you may not realize it at first, but the balancing within classes is you know, from everything I have seen, <laughs> leaves a lot to be desired. So this is very much a game where even though you can upgrade your cars and there's a there's a fairly extensive upgrade suite in there, which I like, and, and there's even some cosmetic customization options too, and you can get wheels for free and all that good stuff. Uh, there are many situations where you can buy a car that's just like unquestionably a bad car in that class and you will not be able to really win anything with it. it it's, it's honestly pretty funny like I got to road B and uh, <laughs> I was surprised to find all I wanted was a Carrera GT yeah. and I bought the Carrera GT only to find that the Carrera GT uh, is one of the the less uh, confident handling <laughs> one of the more squirrely uh, honestly just, just not a particularly nimble or agile car in Project Cars 3 
which is fine. But, you know, then I was like, well, maybe I should get something because I think I, I have to do like a snow race in Indianapolis, which honestly was not fun. That was like, that's probably the least fun oh, experience I've had in this game yeah. because because <laughs> Indianapolis uh, road course is not a good track and I do not want to drive it ever, uh, especially not in the snow. <laughs> so, and not in a Carrera GT. So I was like, all right, I'll buy I'll buy an all-wheel drive car. And then, and then the thought finally hit me and then somehow, for some reason, I never thought to do this before. It's like, why don't I buy a, Skyline GTR R34, which is a road e car. Yep. Because uh, that's all wheel drive, and I would like a Skyline and uh, tune it up to road B. And so I did that. And uh, yeah, I I absolutely blitzed everyone. And then, and then if I look at the stats of that car, you know, it's level 599 or whatever, you know, the same performance point rating as like the Carrera GT and whatever other road B car I had, but it had like an extra you know, 20 points in the acceleration <laughs> department and an extra 15 points in the handling department. And I, I understand when you're working with a large number of vehicles that are very diverse and you also have an upgrade element in there, it is hard to strike kind of a, a, a balancing system, you know, a balance of performance. You know, we, we all know that the, the uh, N classes in Gran Turismo Sport get a little bit weird. Uh, and, and Forza has the problems with its PI system. But this is probably the worst that I have encountered, where it just seems like there's almost no rhyme or reason. And unfortunately, that results in a lot of weirdness in the career mode, where you end up in uh, hot lap challenges, and especially those average time challenges that are... You know, some of them will be a cakewalk. Some of them you'll clear by two seconds the first or second lap you take. And then some of them are honestly, like, still impossible to me. Like, I don't know if I'll, you know, like, I'm a second or a second and a half back. And I'm like, I don't know what else I could do yeah. uh, to, to get any closer. And um, I, I know it's common to complain about difficulty in video games and stuff. And because no one ever feels like it's fair. Or no one ever feels like it makes sense or is consistent. But... I feel like this is one of the less the less consistent examples in this genre. I think the there, there's a few reasons specifically that the difficulty rubs me in the wrong way. Um, first and foremost, the PIR system, as you just said, like there there just doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason to it. I'm not sure what calculations go on in the background to work out what rating a car is. But I bought like the, when I got to Road B, and maybe I was the idiot for going down this route, but I bought the Caterham 7. Because when I had seen it at the Hockenheim ring, it looked as if it had all the grip in the world. So I just assumed that Project Cars 3's version of this car was totally different to the real life one. And it'd be a blast to drive and it'd have loads of grip. When I bought it, the thing did not stop skidding. <laughs> just like constantly fucking drifting. <laughs> And that was like a 90 grand purchase or whatever. Um, I had mistakenly assumed that the, the AI would drive similar type vehicles to us and that doesn't seem to be the case. So once you kind of invest all that money in a car that has a PIR that's right on the verge of the next category, you'd imagine it'd be competitive. A lot of the time that isn't the case. The issue with that was that eventually what was happening was that every time I would get to a new category, I would see what the next kind of batch of events that require you to use a car from a specific country or a specific manufacturer, that type of thing. I'd see what car it was asking for there, 
just by that right off the bat and then those ones always turned out to be competitive so like even though this game gives you all of that choice I still felt as if to progress in the career mode reasonably without having to grind out of the career mode or without spending a lot of irrelevant cash I'd have to just buy the card that was suggested for the next tier of events or rather made mandatory not suggested and that kind of leads me on to the second point about the the pace setter events and the hot laps where you have to meet a certain time criteria like you're saying there's just some of them where if you turn up in the wrong car there's just no point in even trying you're just going to be so far off the pace and i think like i can understand why project cars 3 wants to give you as much freedom as possible take a car from roadie and upgrade it to whatever and you can play through the whole game with it in theory or just choose whatever car you want in each category buy that and you can also play through problem is it doesn't actually seem to be backed up by the actual game objectives there are a lot of stuff it asks for like time wise and stuff where you're you're onto a non-starter and you do have to buy another car i think it's a very easy fix from my perspective and i'm not sure if this is something you would agree on adam but like when i think of drive club um right away i can see events like the venom hot lap fantastic time trial challenges they involve a certain car that everybody has to drive and you've got to beat times in that car knowing that it's possible. I don't see why Project Cars 3 didn't go down a similar route by just providing us with a car for these events because then at least, even if they were very difficult, you would always be inclined to keep going and trying to beat the time because you know it's possible. Whereas I go into those pace setting events and hot laps with the mindset of I don't even know if it's going to be possible to beat this and that isn't the type of mentality you want to go in with. Yeah, and you know what's funny is that if you scroll all the way to the end of the uh, the uh, career kind of groups you could go into, the, the different categories, there is like an invitational one. Yeah. <laughs> and the invitational one, I, I think it's called invitational, does in some cases give you the car that you were supposed to drive for that event. So there are a small number of events in this game that do that, that will give you a loaner car. And I don't know why more don't do that. Um, yeah, and, and just back to your point about certain cars requiring events that you have to buy, like cars that you have to buy. Um, when the payouts are as low as they are when you start the game, Just give them. I really don't <laughs> want to have to drop 80 grand on, you know, a Corvette or something like that. Like in row the E, like it wanted me to buy like a, you know, once people buy like a Mustang, like an original Mustang. And I'm like, I don't really like this car. This isn't something I want to drive. Like I'm going to buy it for this event. Uh, fortunately, I think one of the things that they do to sort of mitigate this problem which i've never seen the racing game do before is uh have you noticed the amount of money you get for selling your cars in this game it's a lot yeah, <laughs> it's 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 like you get two-thirds of whatever you spent on the car back when you go to sell it it seems which is a really good amount of money so there now i'm at a point where it's like i think i bought like an i11 gt3 rs for a race and then was surprised to find that the GT3 RS was uh, didn't handle as well as I thought it would or as well as other cars in that class. And so I turned around and sold it. Um, you can do that. But yeah, that was that was uh, very surprising to me. I didn't even know you could sell cars at first. And then once I found out, <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, so this is a secret. But <laughs> yeah, the, the other thing uh, that we have to discuss that has 
bothered pretty much everyone I know who's been playing this game. Uh, and, and pretty much everyone I know who's been playing this game is, has generally had positive things to say about it and keeps, you know, continues to play it. Um, yeah, it's, it's good to have a consistent penalty system in a racing game that punishes you for cutting the track and all sorts of other, you know, wrong, cheaty things you shouldn't be doing. But my God, <laughs> this game has the most stringent, aggressive penalty system with regards to invalidating lap times that I have ever seen, uh, at least for single player racing. Because, you know, if you're going to talk about Gran Turismo Sport or something like that, Gran Turismo Sport leaves all that stuff for the sport mode. It leaves yeah. all that stuff for the you know, the, the, whatever time trial competitions there are, you know, maybe for like the Lewis Hamilton challenge or something like that. It doesn't do it for single player events. Um, and, and that's not to say that you can't, but it's just so incredibly aggressive. I mean, I think the generally agreed upon rule in, in racing is like, if you have more than two tires off the track on the inside of a corner, then you're gaining an unfair advantage, right? At any given time. But I swear, there are occasions where, like, I don't know what the hell this game is doing um, or what it's thinking, but I'm, I'm just being hit with these ridiculous penalties, and it's it's just maddening. Oh, man. The penalty system is incredibly infuriating because uh, it, it's so strange. Like, the invalidated lap times thing is also a good point because it's like you hit a wall once, and it's like, yep. Yeah invalidated lap time and it's like come on the type of racing that this game's encouraging it, it just seems at, end, at odds with what's going on like one of the the tracks that i thought would be one of my favorites the uh, tuscany track fucking hell the track limits on that like it's literally just normal roads with like white markings at either side of the road as would be on a regular kind of standard road outside but like if you go over those markers on like the S-bends or the slaloms, it hits you with a track limits penalty and it's just like, uh, these tracks are not made to have penalties on them. I appreciate the, the thought of putting them in, but nah. There's just loads of weird instances like that as well where uh, you might get squeezed off the track when the, the AI are going like three or four wide as they often do. And you'll just get slapped with like a five second slowdown penalty right there and then. And given the, the already harsh difficulty of the game at certain times, it can just make for a very infuriating experience. There's just like, like on the Tuscany track, there's a, there's a challenge where you have to win the race and you start in the 18th and it's a free lap race. The, the track is already so fucking tight. <laughs> I'm not sure how they expect people like, I, I, eventually you get there because you just get so annoyed with the game and keep trying that I did win eventually. But it is not a fun experience. I just had a massive skill on my face trying to finish that one event because the AI, like you probably noticed this as well, they, they can be good but a lot of the time they get in these massive groups where they all just kind of huddle around each other. Like four wide, five wide into these tight corners. And you try and kind of squeeze through, but if you go over those markings, it's gone. And that, like, that is the best example of me of why the penalty system can be so annoying, because it's got these like, street circuits that already have very defined boundaries of where you can race. 
But then on top of that, they dedicate a good like six or seven inches of tarmac to the penalties as well. So if you accidentally go over that, you're fucked. If you accidentally hit a wall, your lap time's validated, and for a lot of the the objectives and races, it can be like set a lap time of two minutes eleven. If you hit a wall by mistake, then you, you're beat. Um, yeah. In terms of clean sectors as well, a lot of objectives will ask you to set five clean sectors, which is fair. But if you as so much as rub against another car, it will declare that not a clean sector, but it won't actually tell yeah, you. Yeah, you won't game. know. <laughs> yeah, that that's the thing that really perplexed me because you've got ones that are like five consecutive sectors and. It's very hard and to know if, if I, you're actually on track. If I to do remember it. correctly, Drive Club would kind of grey out an objective exactly. when you yeah. were at a condition or a point in the event where you could no longer clear it. So why they couldn't do something like that in this game is beyond me. And and I, I think the street circuits, you're absolutely right, they so fatally expose the issues with the uh, track limits in this game. Because you know, you'll you'll have street circuits that have like curbs uh and, and or like sidewalks for example that are like kind of part of the track they're they're not they're they're within the drivable space in the game and they're not massively higher than the road surface so you would think like oh i can go up on that i can cross that especially considering <laughs> yeah. like in the i think the fucking havana track you're literally driving across like a, a at one point you're going through like um this sort of, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Like this uh, kind of cobblestone-y sort of like uh, clearing, you know, like where there would yeah. be like markets and things like that that's totally empty. So you're not technically driving on asphalt on that track. Uh, and and they'll penalize you sometimes when you go in these places and, and, and you, you know, ride too much on the shoulder of a public road. And it's like, Damn, and there's no way that you're gonna know that this is allowed or not until you do it. Uh, at which point, you know, it's too late. And yeah, it's just very—it's unforgiving. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And and also, you know, talking about how these issues kind of rear their ugly head when you're actually racing, as you were saying, I don't understand why they insist on doing full grids for every single race in yeah. this game, like. <laughs> If I'm going to like, uh, I'm trying to think of like a smaller track or a narrower track. I mean, maybe like the the Azure Coast is a good example. Um, if I'm if I'm doing something like that, like I don't want to go up against 32 <laughs> other cars. Like that's just not a fun yeah. time. Like I and like there, Sakito for example, in a lot of places is like narrower than Suzuka normally is. And it's like I don't want to be up against like so many cars on this track there's absolutely no room there's just walls of cars that you can't ever pass uh and if you try to you end up taking on too much grass and you end up getting penalized or somebody pushes you out and yeah i, I just you know gran turismo i always f uh felt was smart about like here's a race with a big field here's a race with a smaller field you know you would never see like freaking you know 24 cars on Tsukuba, uh but they, they didn't really kind of think through those things in this game. I, I feel like each event uh, in the career mode, at least in Project Cars 3, didn't really have the the level of attention required to make sure, like, is this fair? Is this fun? Is this sound uh, in terms of the experience that we want to create for this game? 
Yeah, and and I'm glad as well. Just as a minor point, you brought up as your coast because that's a another example of the weird track limits. On that track, there will be times where you end up on a dual carriageway, and there's a two two different sides to the traffic. If you cross over to the other side of the track, it considers that out of bounds and slows you down. So you can't use the full like road width, which. Okay, like, yeah, that makes sense. You wouldn't do that in real life. You wouldn't drive on the oncoming traffic. But once again, it just feels odds at what this game's trying to achieve. I'm not sure why you would penalise somebody for that. It's very, it's very weird, especially when it's not like every track has a live leaderboard or something for times. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's just so many little frustrating things like that. And the point about the full grids, like. That also hinders the overall game design from the perspective of any of these events being memorable. Initially, when I seen that it was like Drive Club, I figured there would be certain events where I was like, oh, that was actually really good. And like when you're talking about your experience with the game, you could refer to certain events. But ultimately, what this becomes almost is that kind of tick box exercise of 32 grid here, 32 grid there. I mean, what, what was stopping a six-car race between like... I don't know, six cars from the Fast and Furious series or something, like, just silly things like that, um, making it a bit more palpable, because eventually, let's be honest, if it's all three lap races or five lap races and it's a 32 car grid, it really is just about kind of bustling your way to the front. The gamification helps make that more interesting and exciting, but as we're talking about, some of the objectives can also make it an exercise in pain, and it doesn't help as well when... Surprise, surprise, it's a slightly mad studios game with some technical issues. Um, there's some issues with objectives not ticking off and that type of thing, which can just make it a, even more of a slightly more uh, frustrating experience. Some of the, the kind of issues I've seen bugs-wise aren't game-breaking by any means, but there are there are a few where it's like, set a clean lap and you do it that doesn't tick off. So when you combine that with all the other little minor frustrations, there are times where you can feel as if you're, you're always in a losing battle. Yeah, I have encountered a lot of glitches. Um, right. You know, I, I think we've all encountered a fair number of them. But yeah, especially like, I don't mean to derail the podcast, but we were even talking about this before we started recording. I've been playing a lot of Tony Hawk lately, the, uh, you know, Tony Hawk 1 and 2 that just came out. And that game is so amazingly unexpectedly technically sound you know it's an activision title and uh it's a tony hawk <laughs> game it is so rock solid in terms of gameplay that like going from that to project cars or going from project cars to that has been kind of an eye-opening experience um yeah with project cars uh god so so the most egregious bug that i have that still affects me to this day and i really hope gets patched is the level clears for cars. Um, I am not getting cars that I am a high enough level to get according to the game. Ooh. So there are lots of cars that are like B driver level three or above. I can't buy them even though I'm like level seven. Uh, it's really, really, really annoying because then, then you're left in a situation where you, know, you have to go to road A or, or GT, whatever, like a certain class and you don't really like any of the cars that you're being given uh and and the ones that you want to buy you can't buy i also always have have always felt that level unlocks for cars were stupid 
in every single game yes. I've ever played. They were bad in Forza Motorsport, they were bad in GT5, and they're bad in this game. So I never want to see them again, but for some reason they felt the need to have level unlocks for cars. So, so that's annoying. Uh, I've had races I've gone into where I had a custom livery applied to the car and instead the car is just red. That That's oh, happened God. a couple of yeah. times. <laughs> uh, the objectives uh, sort of ticker on this, not ticker, but like, you know, list of objectives on the HUD uh, sometimes will just not show up um, and I'll have to go into the settings and put it back on. The difficulty uh, on two occasions has reset itself upon starting up the game to very easy with very, very low aggression. So I'll go into a career mode race and for some reason be lapping cars. I'm not really sure why. And at first I chalked it up to like, oh, here's the game's kind of weird difficulty rearing its ugly head again. But no, that's that's a glitch. Um, so that's that's an issue. Uh, yeah, and I've, I've had objectives that won't clear, and that's really frustrating when, when some of these events are really hard and it's like set a clean lap, which like is really hard to do when you're against 31 other cars uh, <laughs> on a really narrow track and the objective doesn't clear, it just it just kills you. Uh, so yeah, those are, those are the bugs that I have encountered. Um, they're the kind of things that yeah, I don't know how long it takes to fix these things. I'm not a developer. I would hope that they're going to be fixed in relatively short order because, you know, when we think back to the bugs at uh, Drive Club launch, which I guess really weren't bugs so much as, like, you know, the online didn't work. Um, that game went from being a game with a lot of potential but ultimately fulfilling really not much of it at all to yeah. one of the best arcade racers uh, of this past generation, hands down. Um, there is so much potential in, in uh, Project Cars 3's handling, in its gameplay, in the way it just makes you feel when you're behind the wheel, in, in its incredibly inspired list of, of cars and tracks, because that's, you know, one thing I'll say is that, like, they there are such great choices. I know a lot of these are carryover from pre previous Project Cars games, but... Um, the car and track rosters are phenomenal. There's so much potential here that for it to be undone by weird difficulty spikes and bugs and just these things that, um, you know, I know in 2020, the games don't ever release anymore perfectly 100% completely sound. It's just not the way it goes anymore, unfortunately. But I, it, it's heartbreaking to see an otherwise, you know, really good game be be hamstrung by these things and so i really hope they're being fixed i'm a bit worried because of the reaction that the game has gotten in the market and from some critics that that the slightly mad will kind of move on to the next thing because they don't really see the point in fixing it for a player base that isn't there i, I don't mean to taint the future make any sort of like bad premonitions but like i, I just hope they get fixed <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like all these little bugs and issues are probably to do with the, the very high uh, gamification of the, the racing genre that it's trying to do. I say gamification because a lot of outlets, and it, it's pretty disappointing to see, have just put this down to mobile game. Like uh, They keep talking about as if Project Cars 3 is some sort of mobile yeah. game because it dares to have objectives. Um, I'll go with the word gamification because the thing is, on top of the XP systems, on top of the objectives, 
all the invitationals, uh, rivals mode, um, the the online hoppers as well as custom lobbies. There is a lot of systems at play here and all I can imagine is when you've got all of these systems trying to work in tandem, uh, like we said, we don't know we don't know how to develop games, but perhaps cars unlocking after a certain level can fall through the cracks or something. Um, and even even when we're talking about things that are, are pretty strange on a, a game design perspective, bringing it back to those online hoppers, I was so happy to see those types of events back because I feel as if it's something every racing game should have. The idea that you can jump into an event at a certain time, it guarantees player base, it does really well. For some reason, and once again this is probably something that can be fixed pretty easily without a patch, all of the hopper events are like 15 laps long and 20 laps long and I'm like, this is not the type of game where that's probably a good idea. Mm. <laughs> like, um, most of the, the career races are like 3 laps long for a reason because it's a very highly condensed experience. I can't imagine many of people who even like Project Cars 3 willing to sit through 20 laps of Sakito, for example. Um, and road cars and stuff like that. Um, and then even in terms of trying to keep the player base, the custom lobbies are fantastic and I'm glad they're there. But it's that kind of, you're already then trying to fractionalise a, a player base which probably isn't going to be massive. Like, I think private lobbies is fine for like you and your friends, but allowing a full custom lobby selection alongside the online hoppers, I feel as if you could be opening a bit of division there in terms of the player base. That's one thing Drive Club did really well. It had those easily accessible events and merged it with a party system. So you could get all the people you want to race privately and then also drop them into a public race or just do your own public uh, private lobby. I think that's a great idea. I think by having a lobby selection as well as the hoppers, there's a chance of taking a maybe a player base that isn't as high as Slightly Mad would have hoped and splitting them even further between it could cause some issues. And I mean that's more of a online game design side of things and not as bad as the stuff we're talking about. But I just feel as if like there's a there's such a wealth of options in this game and gamification going on that maybe that is why it can be considered slightly overwhelming and I, I was surprised that the mainstream press didn't like the game as much as I initially would have thought because it seemed to be ticking all the same boxes that Forza Horizon gets plotted for. And all the bugs and stuff we're talking about, that wasn't really what a lot of the mainstream audiences were talking about in terms of what was disappointing about the game. It was being routinely compared to the likes of Gran Turismo and Forza. And, and we talked a bit at the start of this of how we thought that's what Project Cars 3 was going to go for, and it's a good idea. I think now having the, the hindsight of playing the game and seeing what it's aiming for, I think it is more of a gamification of racing games as we know it. It's more about ticking off those objectives, about driving these cars in really kind of weird scenarios. It's good fun. I, I don't think it's really comparable to Gran Turismo and Forza after the fact now that I've played the game because those games are, are structured slightly different, so I, I was a bit surprised to see that the main complaint for Project Cars 3 was its lack of um, elbows out racing, as I've seen some outlets say. I actually feel as if that's when it's at its best, having had some great online races. 
Yeah, I, I think for me, this game is, you can draw comparisons to your Forzas and your Gran Turismos. You can also obviously draw lots of comparisons to a game like Drive Club um, or even like Project Gotham from back in the day. It, it sits at this weird in-between place of a lot of different racing games. Uh, and that's something I really like about it. But yeah, it's it's kind of funny how I think there was some assumption that like maybe Slightly Mad was sort of trying to back off a little bit from like what they did with the the massive scope of Project Cars 2 and all of the uh, the you know the difficulty of simulating so many disciplines and and all of those systems of like a real sim racing experience and that they maybe bit off more than they could chew. So then, okay, if they go for a more streamlined, uh, less serious uh, type of racing game that's more objective-based, then that would be easier for them. Uh, and, and in some ways, maybe it has been, but it's also, as you say, brought up a lot of issues that then also need to be fixed. Um, so it, it's funny. I, I remember from the show that we did with Casey... We, we were talking about Need for Speed and Need for Speed Shift uh, particularly. Uh, we were talking about Slightly Mad as like kind of an underdog in the genre. And and, and I agree with yeah. that. I think, you know, all the CEOs have been part of the Codemasters umbrella for much longer. Uh, they're, they're more deeply rooted with more kind of, um, uh, I guess you could say, like uh, formalized publisher relationships. And then you look at your turn 10, obviously, and your Polyphony Digital and, and, and the EA studios. I'm like, these are some big studios that are part of big companies with serious resources and money behind them. And Slightly Mad has uh, been bouncing around from, um, you know, projects where they were affiliated with big, big uh, companies like EA to more independent ones. Uh, and they're still able to produce these games. And I think that's very admirable. But um, yeah, unfortunately, at a certain point, uh, there are there are these glitches. You know, there are these things that get in the way, and that keep you know seeming to get in the way of a truly, you know, of, of all of the potential that they could achieve. I don't know if you know a couple more months of development could have stamped out some of these glitches, could have stamped out some of these difficulty bugs, could have honestly just just made the game a bit more thought out because, you know, we, we, we've talked so much about how, like, the career mode goes wrong, but, like, I love those breakout events. Uh, they are so much fun. The, the ones where you have to hit the, you know, the uh, the boards and everything yeah. and, and collect the points, those are a blast. You know, like, I could do that forever, but I encounter those in the career so rarely. Like, there's maybe, like, two of them at most uh, every category of car of discipline that you go through. And meanwhile, you have, like, seven freaking average lap time events that just pacers absolutely kill you and just make you want to stop playing. So, like, I feel like there are things that they could do to structure, in a ga structure the game in a way that just makes more sense. Uh, maybe more testing, more playtesting would have sort of uh, better issue uh, better dealt with these issues uh, i i don't know but yeah it, at this stage it just seems like you know there's there's a lot of potential here and and you know slightly mad is said the multiple people from the company have have told me that you know dlc is planned and have told people that like there's there's plans for more content going forward i'd really like to see you know what that content is and i hope they stick to them i hope they fix some of these things 
And it is nice to have a game like this on PC. It really is. Um, part of that is because I've, I've seen footage of the, the PS4 and Xbox versions, and it, they, they don't look great. Uh, but, um, yeah. but, the game, <laughs> but the game does run well and looks good on PC. Uh, so, yeah, I just don't, you know, don't, don't give up. <laughs> I guess is, is, is my parting thought. It's a plea. <laughs> keep, it, keep it going. I mean, unfortunately, we've had... You know, you were telling me, we were talking about before the show, that the game does not appear to be reaching the sales um, targets, uh, at least the ones that were set by its predecessors, which is really, uh, really disappointing. But then yeah. you see, you know, the sort of troubled road this game had in terms of the announcement and people's knee-jerk reaction to it, which, as we've said, was not justified. But at the same time, and again, not to excuse it, but at the same time, there was a little bit of mixed messaging about what this game was from Slightly Mad. Yeah. Uh, again, does not justify abusing anyone, but I feel like they maybe could have been a little bit clearer. And, and unfortunately, the, the, the confluence of all of these things has sort of resulted in a game that doesn't really seem to be hitting the, the critical or commercial targets that they would have liked for it. Uh, and and I, I think that's why I keep going back to, you know, I hope that they stick with it and I hope they make it into the best experience it can be. Because we've seen time and time again, you know, games that uh, just just don't hit at launch uh, and then they they never get there, you know, Onrush uh, being a prime example. The elephant in the room or the horse that's been beaten so much already is probably the right metaphor. Um, I do not think this game should have been called Project Cars Free, in all honesty. I think um, Revolution, which was used in development, like you could see from early GT Planet articles and stuff, that was the case, um, would have been a bit more in line with what we get here. Because the problem is, it just immediately gives people a stick to beat it with. Nobody had an issue with Project Cars Go getting announced for mobile, yeah. for example, because they were very specific about that and the reason I didn't want to just harp on about this but it's came up through natural conversation so might as well talk about it is that from a sim value point of view if you really justify that then yeah you're not going to like this game but I don't think those initial thoughts should allow you to totally write it off and the marketing side of things yeah once again we had that trailer that was brought out to officially reveal it which made it perfectly clear from the offset Right, this is a bit different. But then you would also have some of my studios talking about it's all the sim you would need. And yeah, uh, yeah. a video uploaded of the Corvette C8R drifting around uh, Inner Lagos without a, a HUD to, to, to showcase that somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and it, honestly, the, the thing about the, the, the main issue with the name is. It isn't indicative of the quality of the title, it's indicative of what you expect. It's like going to a, a five-star Michelin Japanese restaurant and you get a Wagamama's instead. The Wagamama's is still going to be fucking great, but it's not what you've really signed <laughs> up for. That's a great comparison. And, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it, man. Like, I've been racking my brain for it and I put, like, the more I thought about Project Cars 3, the more I realised it is these... Like, the people making a big deal out of everything are absolute tools. But I think it would have been a lot easier to just be upfront about the way it was. It was weird because initially there was that kind of upfront nature of, listen, pit stops are out, there's no tyre changes, end of. 
But then, like, the messaging was still there as if, like, there was still going to be that level of sim play there. And it's not something I miss. I love Project Cars too. I've talked about it before and talked about how somehow it comes close to being the ideal perfect racing game for me in many ways. Um, I still really enjoy Project Cars 3 and I don't begrudge it for the the route it went down because why would I? it? It's just the mixed messaging which created that weird turbulent pre-release period and then you play it and you realise oh shit this is really great and then the more you play it you start to become a bit more disillusioned again. It's a weird kind of back and forth constant. And the other metaphor that I'd use to describe this game, it's like finding that hot hatch on Auto Trader that you've been looking for for ages. You've not seen one. You remember the good old days of this type of hot hatch, and you buy it, and it drives phenomenal. You love every second that you're in it. It's just when you're not in it, that's when the issues crop up, and you start to see all the, the minor technical issues that might be wrong with the car. Maybe some parts need replaced. Maybe some things need tweaked. And I feel as if Project Cars 3 kind of fits that bill perfectly where when I'm on the track playing this game and the the stupid penalties aren't getting in my way, the objectives aren't glitching out, uh, the decals that I create are actually showing up, <laughs> um, I'm not being um, destroyed on a pace setter because I've took the wrong car despite the car class apparently suiting the lap times that are there. This is the issue, there's a lot of buts to the experience. However, like I said earlier, those two or three hours I played online on release day were some of the best racing that I've had. Because for as much as we say this game isn't a sim, the way the car's movement is replicated for a, a kind of a simcade arcade racer is phenomenal. Like the cars feel so alive when you drive them, not in a cartoony way either. They have that realistic like suspension movement and stuff, and I have seen some of the the more sim-oriented YouTubers and stuff talk about the fact that they actually think the, the simulation of suspension seems better in this game than Project Cars 2. So, like, there's a lot of there's a lot that's went into those elements of the game. It's just, we often find ourselves here with slightly mass studios games, there's just loads of little things ultimately gnaw away at the experience. In Project Cars 2, the moment of that for me was when I decided to do an hour-long race in the Clio Cups, only for the race to never end. <laughs> <laughs> wasted an hour of my time <laughs> that was that was like the worst moment I've had oh my God. and um, in Project Cars 3 um, it, it hasn't been anything that catastrophic in terms of time spent but rather the objectives not ticking off and just the, the general uh, lack of polish that's still there and that's what really baffles my mind because this is a streamlined focused experience but these little technical issues are here and it's just it's frustrating, but nothing will ever be on the level of that Project Cars 2 fuck-up that happened I was absolutely seething. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't even remember the issues I encountered in the first Project Cars, but because uh, I, I, I didn't play much of 2. But, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, honestly, man, it's one of these weird reviews where, like you're saying, it, it's so hard not to draw comparisons to like onrush and stuff when we're thinking about what this if this title will be considered a success because initially right off the bat um numbers don't look too great um but i i would love to see slightly mass studio stick out and give it a right go um grid not not pretended i guess that's the wrong word grid um flattered to deceive in the sense that it looked as if that was like, oh, we're going to take on board all the community feedback and really make this into a game worth playing. Ultimately, 
get a few content updates on that side of things and then it was uh, dropped in favour of whatever comes next for that series. Um, for Project Cars 3, who knows what way it'll go. I think it's a, a really, a really, really fantastic experience while you're driving. Uh, the game design is also close to being exactly what we want. There's just a, a few niggles there as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that really says it all. And I'll be you know continuing to play through the game and um i know a lot of people in the in the time extend community and stuff and on discord uh have the game unfortunately there's no there's no cross play element to it um but if you have the game on pc we both have it for pc and maybe it'd be good to get some lobbies going because because you're right that is especially where the game is fun especially when you can uh pretty much tell everybody to drive the same car because then then, yeah. then you get around those like weird issues with like the performance balancing and you can have some truly amazing races uh and 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 because it's not you know the most hardcore kind of racing game in the world you know it's it's not even even not like an f1 where you feel like you're fighting with the car and if you make a mistake your race is gone like you're you yeah. always have a chance you're always in the race uh and and it's good to have uh have a game like that um at least on the multiplayer side if nothing else so um so yeah i mean that's that's something i'd love to i'd love to keep doing and really at this point this year um you know project cars is out uh you know, wrc9 came out as well we're looking forward to Dirt 5. Uh, Hotshot came out too, although I, I haven't played the final version of Hotshot. Played it in beta form. Um, but yeah, Dirt, Dirt 5 is kind of the next one I'm looking forward to to, to close out the year. And, uh, you know, at this point, I think that game comes out in October. So uh, at this point, we're, you know, probably a month or two away from talking about that one. So I think, um, don't want to jinx it, but. With the most recent announcement as well with Dirt 5, that looks like an absolutely ridiculously good package as it stands, especially oh, the with the initial impressions as well. Yeah, yeah I am really looking forward to going hands-on with this because, I mean, that, that's a great example of the the kind of developers following that policy we talked about in an episode a, a few months back now, where if you've got a, a specific type of racing game you want to make, go for it and don't apologise in the slightest. <laughs> Like, make the racing game you want. And Dirt 5 doesn't even look like it's related to Dirt Rally in the slightest, and I couldn't love that anymore. And some of the most fun uh, I've, I've ever had in any racing game, it has to be said, is doing the joy rides at Battersea and Dirt 3 and playing oh, improvised yeah. games of tags, tags with my, tag with my friends. Um, that was like, God, that's so much fun. I, I even, uh, uh, my buddy Trevor, uh, who was on the Champ Car episode, um, I went over to his place uh, kind of in the early stages of the pandemic um, was was one of the first situations where I got to hang out with somebody else and leave how leave the house and we played the uh, dirt three went to Battersea with him and his little brother and we <laughs> we, we played tag and it was just like it was just as much fun so so yeah if dirt five can can scratch that itch uh, definitely definitely looking forward to it yeah we've got like like you're saying like dirt 5 on the kind of more traditional racer front hot shots on the the more kind of traditional 90s arcade racer side of things um but we've also got pacer as well not too far yeah. away on the the anti-gravity racing side of things and to be honest i really want to know how the final product of that turns out because i got formula fusion and i get to basically are are just going to update everybody's build of formula fusion to the new game so that's nice of them um 
I'm really interested to see how the final product turns out because it looks as if they've um, polished up quite a bit from Formula Fusion, which I thought was pretty good, but Pacers looking pretty decent as well. So, yeah, th there's going to be a good few games for us to talk about, and maybe we do have enough games this time around to justify a, a full Game of the Year discussion for racing games. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we might. I think it's, I think it's certainly possible. Yeah, get the community involved as well. Although they, they might make some more silly videos of us if we. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And we're we're gonna have another. I think the next episode is probably going to be another um, uh, hot takes one. You know where we where we take the yeah. most the community's most controversial takes and respond to them uh, in in real time. So that that will probably produce more memes if I had to if I had to make a guess. Yeah, and I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, so um, yeah, so I mean, if you're listening to us now, we put out the bulletin. We can we can retweet it, but uh, hit us with your hot takes because in a week, maybe two weeks, um, but hopefully sooner, we will we will be recording that episode uh, from the time that you hear this. So but yeah, that that just about uh, says it all, I think. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. Um, if you have project cars, uh, you know, let us know what, what you think of it, um, you know, uh, on, in the response to this episode or whatever, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts because, um, as we've said, there's, there's, you know, there's a, a good game here. And I think most people that, that we talk to can agree. A lot of people in the community are having a good time with it. Um, it's just everyone's experience, I think is a little bit different for various reasons, but, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much yeah. all I have to say about that. I think if you like the types of games we talk about, I would be incredibly shocked if you didn't actually enjoy the the gameplay side of this game. Um, ultimately, the technical hitches are very frustrating, but hopefully down the line those get addressed and we're left with a, a pretty solid arcade racer. But um, once again, just thankful we've got a, a kind of arcade racer in that double A development category of not just kind of made off a shoestring budget or from one of the big dogs this is definitely it, it's good to have a an arcade racer that did have a good bit of budget behind it and we didn't talk about it at all but the the drum and bass soundtrack also kind of works well for the yeah game, so soundtrack's good out there last minute <laughs> the soundtrack's good <laughs> it's, it's not like us to not talk about it i guess it's just because it suits the game i can see that much it is very much a kind of blend into the background and help push things along but it's it's not fa it's not phenomenal and i guess that's why we haven't talked about it but a good job to the, the sound team making a, a suitable drum and bass soundtrack yeah yeah never never going to uh to shy away from a good drum and bass soundtrack that's for sure time, <laughs> exactly. time extend uh, supports supports them all so yeah thank you everybody for listening and we will see you again soon thanks very much for listening guys